They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello and welcome to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me tonight as ever are Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. We're recording this just a couple of days after one of the most famous victories in Somerset history. Recovering from 89 for 9 in reply to Middlesex's 313 on first innings. Marchant Delanger and Jack Leach putting on a sterling 83 for the last wicket before Leach and Davey ripping the heart out of the Middlesex innings, taking the last six wickets to 16 runs. And then Tom Abel, George Bartlett and Lewis Gregory steering the Somerset ship home to win by four wickets. Steve, what did you make of that? Do you know? Do you know what? There's two things I want to say. First of all, Anthony opened up the commentary on Saturday by making a comment. You'd interviewed Martin and said he was positive on the Friday evening. And as Tom Abel came out, you said something along the lines of, uh, "Captain Tom, he'll all, he won't give up, or he'll always think there's a chance of winning." That was one thing that stuck in my mind. The other thing was, when I went to bed on Saturday night, I wasn't at all worried, and uh, I I just I don't I know it's and I'm pleased I'm not saying it after the event so as long I thought as long as one of Tom but Abel or George Bartlett stayed there we would have a chance obviously those three wickets just before lunch sort of was a bit squeaky um but yeah I can't I can't think of another game the only comparisons I've got are um the Knotts game in 2016 when Hildreth made that 130-odd on one leg that we came back into. But the one that sticks in my mind, Anthony, is Edgbaston two years ago where they got 400-odd in the first innings. Mm. And I think it was the third evening where Jamie Overton, I believe, bowled Warwickshire out very quickly and we I'll chased 250-odd. So <laughs> Ian's now looking at Somerset summer and reading through it. So. Dumb Anthony, what was, yeah, what was it like for, obviously, it was a difficult weekend for you with the restrictions and then the events of Friday. Um, it was always interesting because Kevin Handel was clearly convinced we were going to win from Saturday lunchtime and you were not, understandably, not wanting to jinx things. So. Well, um, we're always fatalistic about our own counties. <laughs> Um, but I have—I must say—I—I I, I tell you what—I've given it up until I interviewed Marchant de Langer, and he was so bubbly and upbeat and positive. I thought, well, you know, he—he he clearly believed they could come back from the dead, which is which is where they were, you know, two hundred and twenty thirty behind, um, and only two Middlesex wickets down. And it had been a really frustrating session that. Mm. That last one on 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 Friday. I mean, they passed the outside edge any number of times without um, without finding the edge, and a couple of decisions went the went the wrong way, and it was blooming cold. And we weren't on the air because the Duke of Edinburgh <laughs> died. So that was just that was the lowest point. Um, and I, I agree with you actually. On sat on the Saturday night, 
um, when we had to get another 170-odd to win. Um, I was really quite happy with the situation, win or lose, because on the, on the Friday evening, it was as if we were going to get absolutely stuffed, humiliated, you know, beaten by 300 runs uh, or, or whatever. Uh, and whatever happened from Sunday morning onwards, Somerset were going to lose at worst with honour. And as long uh, and, and Tom Abel would be batting so beautifully on the Saturday afternoon that as long as he was there, it seemed to me there was a chance we could see it, see it through. I have to say, my faith took a bit of a knock when when Tom was out uh, three quarters of an hour before before lunch on, mm -hmm. on Sunday. But George Bartlett sort of inherited his mantle and did it did it superbly, and then and then Lewis Gregory came out after lunch. He loves playing at Lords, uh, and he just you know played his played his natural game. He got lucky a couple of times, and you could see as the runs mounted, the Middlesex fielders and and bowlers, you could see the the sort of air coming out of their balloon, and um, it was a, it was a wonderful. Wonderful performance. I just wish they'd score a few more runs in the first innings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Point. I mean, I did. I did say in the last podcast that looking at that batting lineup, there's a an eighty or a ninety all out in there. It wasn't. Uh, it was saved yeah, by that. Yeah. that I last remember the partnership. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saved by that last wicket partnership between uh, March and Delanger and um and, and Jack Leach, but. Dan, we're probably not going to win too many championships or too many games if we keep slumping to 80 for nine in the first innings. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an issue for a while, hasn't it? We we feel It feels like we are often bailed out by the lower order a lot. And something I love to work out is how much that happens relative to other counties. I mean, I, it feels like it's it's relatively often. But yeah, hopefully in the short term, at least we can take some confidence from that second innings. But you know, there's there's no denying that it could definitely happen again at some point this season. Fair but I think you know, Banton, you know, Banton will have a bit more confidence now um, after his 37, which is good. And obviously, Abel and Bartlett, you know, Bartlett had a bit of there was a bit of doubt over his place, but he'll you know feel nice and secure now, so that will help. And you know, going forward, Hildreth is probably the most at risk going forward from being dropped. Maybe, but obviously that's still a long way away, of course. But uh, you know, just 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 thinking ahead to if 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 we need to make any changes. Um, and Lewis goals obviously scoring runs in the. Uh, he got a shocking decision, Hildreth, and, and he, he did. He did. Yeah. Nice I'm just thinking ahead. You know, if 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 we uh, if our bank becomes so fragile that uh, we, uh, we want to make changes, facing so. James Hildreth with Eddie Byron. <laughs> Depends if Hildreth can uh, score some runs at last. It's, it's been a while. We said we said on here last week, didn't we? And I was saying it about Banton. You pick the batting order. You've got to stick with the batting order now for a few games. Oh yeah, oh, I James, James, totally agree. Yeah, James Hildreth has, as Trez did, he has earned the right to retire on his own terms, and hopefully it won't even be that Andy Hurry has to sit down with him one day and say. Hilda, are you thinking about this? Yeah, uh, I think the encouraging thing is, Dan, that I, I called him Prince George a couple of years ago. You all know that I think he is the heir apparent. And for me, every week and month and season that Hildreth and Bartlett back together in that middle order makes Bartlett a better player as well. Um, somebody asked on Twitter earlier about 
Lewis Gregory is the cool is he the coolest customer? And I said, if there's anyone to beat him, I would think Bartlett probably is, because I can imagine the two of them sitting in the dressing room at lunchtime on Sunday with the two coolest people in the dressing room. I can, I can imagine Craig Overton was bouncing off the walls and Jack Leach was pacing up and down, wiping his glasses. But I think both of them, and that, I think that goes a long way. Can I just say, though, Gibbo, that I thought how you and Kevin covered that session when... Banton was sawn off, then Hildreth was plumb and wasn't given and then was given. I, I thought that was just that Sky and all these other channels would do well to listen to that and play it to all their commentators because the two of you were just superb on that. I thought it was one of the best bits of commentary I've heard for a long time. Well, it helped having having Kevin, who, who knows Lords so well, um, mm. and, and the fact that he endorsed my instinctive reaction to uh, all, well, all three decisions was was reassuring. Um, I'm just going back to the batting order. I, I was a great advocate of Tom Ban Banton last time we spoke, opening the innings. I have to say I'm changing my mind. Um, he did get some runs in the second innings, but he could have been out any number of times. He was playing and missing outside the off stump. He was dropped at, at second slip. Uh, he's a nervous starter. Uh, Whereas Tom Abel, when he came in uh, in the second innings to the seventh ball of the innings after Tom Lamb had been out first ball, he looked for all the world like a class opening batsman because he's got the technique, he's got, he's got the temperament. And I do wish that Tom Abel would open with Tom Lamanby and allow Banton to move down to five, I would think. Get Bartlett coming in three, Hildreth four, Banton, Banton five. I think that would be a much more uh, sensible uh, batting order than, than than the one we've we've got because Lamanby. I mean, he's a fantastic player, but he is a little bit vulnerable. And and Banton just he doesn't look like an opening batsman. He doesn't really know how to play uh, as an opening batsman. His instincts are all white ball uh, instincts. Uh, so he keeps getting himself caught in two minds. He was playing all these sort of airy-fairy off-drives and missing them. Um, a lovely lad, brilliant brilliant cricketer, but should be in at five, not opening the innings. A lot of opening the batting is about knowing when to give the bowler half an hour when the conditions are in their favour, you know, green pitch, new ball, that sort of thing, and having the temperament to soak that up. Do we think that Bance has got that in him to learn? that He might not have it now, but do we think he's got it in him to learn that temperament? He gets um, frustrated. He, yeah, he really I'm, he likes to feel bat on ball. He likes to get going. He, you know, he likes to be scoring runs. He gets very frustrated if he can't um, get get it through the field. I mean, th this happened in reverse with Alistair Cook when he seemed stubborn and determined to open the innings for England in in one day cricket. It affected his mm -hmm. test form because he kept getting caught slip because he was playing at balls because because of one day cricket having to, having to play everything. He went through a period of of getting out caught in the slips in Test cricket, and I think the two roles opening the batting in white ball and red ball cricket are so different these days. You could possibly get away with it, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, but now the way that scoring rates have developed to, you know, three fifty, three seventy being a par score in a, in a fifty over game, are we better off? Sticking with Tom Banton at the top of the order and saying, you have to learn. You know, I know, I know Trez is now no longer the Somerset batting coach, but I'm sure he'd pick up the phone to Tom Banton any time, uh, day or night, to fulfil that um, 
that mentor role to him and, and pass on any well, knowledge. The, the batting well. coach is Jim, Jim Troughton, and he knows he knows Tom Banton must know him pretty well because mm. Tom learned his cricket in Tom Warwick. Warwickshire. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I think you know we, we've got the right man as batting coach, and, and hopefully he'll he'll sort it out. But um, or do we go for a second again? As a correspondent on Twitter said earlier, do we go for a second overseas and get an overseas opener? Oh, I don't know. I think you've got to stick with the young. But then someone's being dropped to make way. Yeah, isn't I, I, mm-hmm. I'm with you both on that. I'm just posing the question. I mean, I think you know they they are ta- they are collapse prone. You know, we know that from the last um, two seasons. But the, I still think that the batsmen we've got, including Eddie Byram, actually, are, are fundamentally good players, and that they will they will come good if they're given the chance. And you know, I, I think Tom Tom Banson will carry on in the innings. I think that's, that's from a man management point of view, that's probably the right thing to do. If Tom Abel doesn't want to open the innings, there's no point in forcing him to, to mm. go innings. And, and equally, it's, it's only fair on Tom Banton to give him a fair trial, to give him a chance to show or show what he can do, as they gave Eddie Byram, uh, you know, uh, two, three, two, three seasons ago. So, mm-hmm. but you know, the the other thing, I, just finishing on Banton, the other the other thing is that the the pitches they play T20 on. Or even fifty-eight cricket on are a world away from the pitches that play county championship cricket on, and you, you've got to be able to to play the ball late if you're opening the innings, at, you know, at, on a on a the sort of Lord's wicket uh, that we saw last weekend, or I suspect the sort of wicket we'll see at Taunton from from Thursday onwards, because it's going to do a bit, and you you need to play it late, you need to be able to adjust, you need to know where your off stump is. You need no. You need to know when to play and 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 when to leave it alone. And you must be patient. That's the other thing. And Tom Banson, bless him, is is not known for his patience. He likes to get on with it. Middlesex really didn't help themselves on that Saturday afternoon, where they just seemed to poke and prod. Oh. And they lost. The sat- Saturday 16, morning was it? Yes, yeah, just yeah. lost six for sixteen. Um, they were they were just going nowhere. They were just going nowhere, and I, I felt that if if in that situation it had been Abel and Hildreth in uh, eighty seven for two, they would have been running singles. They would have been aggressive, and we would have seen them score maybe only forty or fifty in the first hour. But they would have not allowed the Middlesex bowlers to bowl to them as Middlesex allowed us. You know, and Josh Davy, fair play to him. He came on, didn't he? And he, he absolutely seized the opportunity. I think when I, my ears really pricked up was when Jack Leach's first ball got a wicket. And I don't, again, I can't say why, but that was the point, wasn't it? And it's yeah. the difference. I know some people took issue with it on social media, and Ian and I were chatting about this before we started recording. But it's it to me, it was the difference between a team that's played at the top of the county championship division one for a, a large number of seasons now and a team that hasn't. Somerset saw the opportunity and they were in and they were through. Whereas, you, you know, Middlesex were almost like, my goodness, we're we're ahead in this game against Somerset. They're one of the favourites to win the competition. We've got all this and it just got into a negative mindset. And I think the other thing, Ian, is what message it sends to every other county, not just in our group, but, you know... <laughs> Even if I know we said we can't keep doing it, but psychologically, you are not going to feel safe with a lead of two hundred and three second and couldn't use wickets down. 
again. And that, that plays on professional sportsmen's minds. But I, I thought it was... It wasn't a bad performance. It was a below-par performance, and it showed the drop catches, lose matches, wasn't it, to, to flip the phrase around. But no, once they got the chance, absolutely magnificent. Um, you know, but how, how to bounce into a Monday morning and the day job oh, was yeah. with that, oh, that yeah. still in your head. Oh, yeah. more of, Well, not more of that, but more wins of that that magnitude please <laughs> just goes to show though that um a sloppy first hour can almost cost you the game dan because we didn't really turn up until about half past 12 on thursday morning did we yeah the bowling was sort of oddly off color wasn't it um it was a bit too short at times you know there was some sort of bad sort of leg side deliveries and it's sort of a, maybe a bit of a hangover from pre-season where there was times where we didn't bowl that well but you know we really came back fighting in the second innings you know we would like the summer set we know and love from last season particularly um on that saturday morning hopefully um going forward you know we, we won't we won't be worried about you know we can just carry forward that confidence from the second innings particularly at home against gloucestershire which is a should be a you know, pretty winnable game and the, the team we beat quite easily last season so um hopefully we can get straight into our work there and hopefully uh not have to go through a Another tense one. Twice last year, twice last year, Gloucestershire were ahead. We were bailed out by, a, by the lower order. Again, they're, they're a good side, Gloucestershire, not to be <laughs> underrated. I mean, to beat Surrey in the way they did, a very strong Surrey side as well. I think we're, you know, we're going to have to be close to our best to uh, to beat Gloucestershire. I, I flipped over after our game finished, Anthony, to listen to Mark Church and Stephen Lamb. And I got from them, their feeling was that it was a game that Surrey had lost to a large proportion because they were in a strong position and collapsed in a heap on the Sunday morning. Um, and that wasn't Mark Church being churlish and whatever. And Stephen Lamb was far from being bombastic in these things. But I, I got that impression. So my, my question is, did Surrey massively underperform? Uh, but, you know, they lost Chris the Dent's on that morning yeah but again again it's that love saying it's their dibbly dobblers again wasn't it that took the wickets and i'd like to think we could produce a pitch with a bit of pace and bounce on thursday i'd like to think we could get something because then that will play into marchant and craig's hands talking of marchant what do people make of marchant do you think he'll keep his place if jack brooks is fit I think he'll be given a run. I think Jack Brooks will play at Hampshire instead of him, maybe. Uh, I have to say I was slightly underwhelmed with his bowling from watching the stream and listening to you guys. Uh, but he might have been nervous, you know. Mm. <laughs> Division 1 game, Jason, New Jason, County. Jason said he was trying too hard, and I think there was, there was something in that. He was... He was he bowled both sides of the wicket. He, he never found any sort of consistency, and he mm. wasn't as quick as as he can be. I mean, Tom Helm was significantly quicker, particularly in, in the first innings. But he, he only bowled four overs in that second innings as well, didn't he? When when the pressure was on, so I just wonder if it, maybe it was Tom Abel sticking to the bowlers that he knows in, in a crunch situation, I guess. And I say he's, he probably won't have seen a lot of marching because um, Abel's obviously been in quarantine for a good while since coming back from Pakistan so you may have only seen him just a handful of um, a handful of days cricket so um, yeah you can't 
you can't blame him for that. Maybe if it Craig Overton who bowled four overs of twenty four, he would have had another go. But I think Abe's you know played it right and, and stuck with with the bowlers that have. Uh, it was it was the situation where you just couldn't afford to give away three or four overs like that again, yeah. could you? You know, we'd have been chasing over three hundred, and that you know we might have breezed past it. We'll never know, but. Ifs and buts, what's and maybes. Yeah, absolutely. One I'd certainly of... give him another go at Taunton, Anthony, to answer your question. And then, well, rather, even, if Jack, even if Jack's fit. Yeah, I'd give Jack Brooks. He's done well in the twos, hasn't he? Got Was it four for three or three yes. for four yesterday? Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I suspect Jack Brooks will be going to, to Grace Road and probably playing, and they'll probably think about rotating then. Mm. I mean, I don't know how Lewis is not, 100% match fit still because he spent so long in quarantine so they may be looking at the Leicester game as one they might, might want to rotate him out of as well I hope not, I hope not. no I hope not given our, our little uh, well our he little bowled, prediction. bowled really well I mean you know he he, he he just he can make things happen with the mm. bat at the ball and, and you need players you need players like that who can make things who can change the course of a game you know, in the space of, of, of half an hour, which is what he did. Mm. But the speed at which they scored after lunch, you know, uh, it was, it's one of those things where it was like 20 past two and we we cleared half of the requirement from lunchtime or something in 40, 45 minutes. And without, you know, you didn't get the sense that it was rash stroke play or it was just good taking advantage. And... Well, he can do that to you, Lewis. You know. I was looking at the um, at the at the run chase, and I was really worried about that that second new ball looming on the horizon. But um, Bartlett and, and Gregory just they played so naturally. But there wasn't a sense they were trying to force it as well. No, there weren't. Yeah, George Bartlett said yesterday, Ian, that they are. Um, ben asked Ben Warren asked him the question in a little interview they did on the website, and I think George's response was, "Yeah, I probably should have thought about that a bit more, but we didn't really." Which I thought was, <laughs> yeah, I we're all going, well. we're all stressing about the second mm -hmm. new ball, and George is like, "Yeah, we're fine. Don't worry about it. We'll be home by then." So Lewis was just serene, wasn't he? Like he just didn't look flustered at all. Just calm, efficient. As you said, didn't didn't force it at all. No, there was no big slogs. It was just he found the gaps mm. and uh, yeah, he found the gaps really. sometimes with when he wasn't in, when he wasn't aiming for the gaps. You know, <laughs> went in diametric opposite directions to the to where he was aiming. And there was one that he nicked it over the top of second slip. But but yeah, mm. he did, he actually Lewis did. He played the way that those Middlesex batsmen should have played. Yeah. On the Saturday morning, and instead of being quiescent, just allowing the bowlers to bowl. And if Lewis had gone out and tried to play like that, we'd have got beaten. You know, he took the attack mm. back, back yeah. to the bowlers. Bowlers don't like being taken on; they like just being able to bowl and bowl and. and, and bowl. Especially the likes of Murta and Roland Jones, yeah, who are the classic grind you down bowlers. Absolutely right. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, George Bartlett's got this lovely habit of being not out when we win at Lords. So long may that continue. <laughs> one day, perhaps make the winning the winning hit. But, yeah. yeah, he's at the other end for the one, the Royal London final as well, wasn't he? Yeah, it, it yeah. just goes to show that if you if you take the positive approach, more often than not things will will go in your favour because you you're putting that pressure on the opposition. I've played in league games where where got the other end saying, "Oh, right, just let's just take our time." You know, we have got plenty of overs. It's like. 
that's when things go wrong. You, mm. you know, it's what Ben Stokes does so well on numerous occasions for England in run chases. You just set a plan, and the great thing is about it that they it just it came off. Sometimes it won't, but I firmly believe that is the best way to go about your business in a run chase. Guys, what question for you? Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the run chase, or do you prefer defending the total? In that in that situation, if you could. You had the choice that we had to bowl them out for 284 or less, or we were chasing. I, I find the run chase is tougher on my nerves, I've got to say. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, I think with our bowling attack, I, I'd back us. You know, I, if, 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 we, if a team was chasing 284 against us, I'd back our bowling attack to bowl them out more than our batting lineup would to, uh, to chase them, I think. Yeah. Craig Overton, Craig Overton would bowl himself into the dirt as well. Jack Leach would just operate from an end. I think the trouble with run chases is uh, a bit like uh, Hildy in that in that second dig. You can get a you can get sawn off by a, a dodgy decision or two, and then all of a sudden you can, mm. I think you can panic more as a batting team than you can as a bowling team. Bowling teams you yeah. always come together. Um, you, you know you can um, get a bit more at your fast bowlers. Um, you can GM up. You can you can always come again. I think batting second it's always. Uh, it's always very difficult to to come back after a, a setback or two. Plus, as the old saying goes, you win the toss, have a think, have a bit more of a think, have a bit more of a think, and then you're still back. <laughs> but we've pulled off a few times recently. Run difficult run chases. There was this mm-hmm. one, there was this one, and then we got Edge Preston last year. There was knots at home, uh, 2018. That was 250 yeah. odd. Um, yeah, that was after Yeah, there was. Um, uh, there was one more which I just thought of, but it's gone. Well, that um, there has been a few in the recent no, years. Worcester, where was it? There was one last year that stuck in the mind. That was a that was a pretty decent run chase. There's one has gone out of my head now. We only played four games, Steve. Okay. Not last Quite year. Decent. Sorry, 2019. <laughs> uh, another one. Other than Edgbaston. Um, no, on, it'll come back look. to me. Sorry. It's got to be in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. that's uh, old it's, history it's, it's now. We've got now, Steve. Well, I think I know the game that you mean. We've got um, a new new book of Mr. Gibson's to plug at some point as well. Oh, so yeah. then five, five Live did it much Go better on, for you on Give, Sunday. Anthony, Gibbon, so. Anthony's got a shoot off um, for for bigger and better things with Charlie Taylor in, in a minute or so. So was it AnthonyGibsonBooks.co.uk to order your side copy of Basketman? The Life and Times of Anthony Gibson. A life in farming, countryside, cricket, and cider. And excellent it is too, because I got a copy when it was out, so I thoroughly enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. I haven't got mine yet, but I will be ordering it. There it very, is. Very soon. <laughs> you don't look a day older, <laughs> Gibbo. That's twenty years ago. That is. Well, it'll be twenty years ago in in December. Anyway, it's selling all right, and uh, I was very, very grateful to Kevin Howells to, for doing the interview and giving it a plug. So, excellent. is that available as a podcast? I know this is admin on air, but is that available as a podcast? You know, certainly not. No. Oh, what a shame! I might Steve, message Steve Mr. I aren't, aren't quite that. You know, we're not, we're not quite that. <laughs> Steve published it and uh, and helped me edit it as well. No, I make your interview with Kevin on oh, Saturday. Kevin. Um, yes, it is. Uh, well, it's on the iPlayer, I think. I haven't. Okay. It, but Stephen has. 
So I'll send you I'll send you the email that he sent me. Yeah, and please, and then I'll put it on the blog as well for everyone. Yeah, do. But... Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Right. There we are. There's Charlie. Okay. Who's the bell tolls? All right. Cheers, Go well, Anthony. Anthony. We'll speak to you next week. I'll have yeah. Somerset this week. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello. It is. He's not signed off the Zoom yet. Oh, he's gone now. I thought we were going to get a sneak preview of the cricket show. Oh. What I did hear, though, is that Charlie Taylor doesn't make his own phone calls. That sounded like a receptionist uh Oh no! I, on the other end of that without line. wanting to be too up myself, I was lucky enough to get on Somerset and Bristol last week's breakfast shows, and you get a producer rings you, and then you then have to sit there listening to the piece before, mm. and it's actually quite nerve wracking because then all of a sudden the Charlie, as it was on BBC Somerset, goes, "Hi there, Steve and Anthony," and Annie was on as well, and you didn't, I didn't even know who else was on, so it can be quite, quite not as not as. Uh, relaxed as this is the three of us now just mm. chatting about our wonderful county have you had any offers to go on the bbc yet dan no oh, no nothing yet, yet. <laughs> <laughs> it'll come I, seriously it'll come i've got to say dan and i've said this to you before you need to do a stats pack for games because the, the tweets you come out with if anyone doesn't follow dan on twitter he'll give you his twitter handle in a minute he just blows me away with the stuff he comes out with. And A, it normally makes me feel better at a bad time. But B, I'm like, how the heck does he... Either he's got too much time in his hand or he's got some fabulous bit of software that I haven't found yet. It's just it's just a £5 subscription to Cricket Archive. It's £5 a Is month. Is that how you... It's, okay. it's worth, okay. worth the investment. Simple as that, yeah. I mean, it takes It does take time sometimes, but you know, it's the kind yeah. of thing I want to find out. So. Stato, our very own Stato. Usually, usually it's based on a hunch. I'll get a hunch of something and I'll check the stats right. to see if I'm right and then see what the specifics are, you know. So what isn't it interesting, just looking back before we look ahead, that group, our group, the group of death, had three positive results in it. And okay, you would have probably not got very good odds on Hampshire. I'm going to say air quotes beating Leicestershire, which we might want to talk about. You certainly wouldn't have expected that lot up the road to beat Surrey. But if you look at the other tables, I know it's only the first game, they're all 13 and 12s pretty much, <laughs> apart from Lanks who got 16 because uh, they managed to get yeah. some runs up at Old Trafford. Uh, Really interesting, I think. Really, and I actually think this could be like the Bob Willis Trophy, and the groups could be more competitive mm. than we thought. You know, Worcester getting a, a very creditable draw at Chelmsford. Um, yeah, and this also feeds through to the uh, the second group stage, doesn't it? Because if mm. if, if results in April are mm. going against the form book that will have a knock-on effect in, in september with the uh... well if we want at the moment we want essex and was if essex qualifying we don't want them to if we get through mm. we want worcester to go through as well because that means essex would take through a lower i think it's the yeah. average isn't it down of the two games it's the average two, yeah yeah mm. yeah mm. but the other thing seen... of course yeah. the other great thing of course is we've we've effectively wiped off the eight point penalty because other teams didn't you know there are three teams that lost in our group so okay we're only on 11 points but we could have been on minus something yeah, at lunchtime on Saturday so it's nice to get wipe that one off isn't it um, mm. 
One thing that um, does sort of trouble me slightly, though, it's all very well getting bailed out by the lower order and getting bailed out in second uh, in the second innings. But if we don't start scoring some first innings runs, we've we're not going to be picking up bonus points, and that can be crucial nope. as well. And I'm sure that's yeah. absolutely on the um, on the minds of Jason Kerr and Tom Abel. But we've not really been a strong first innings team for a while now. Yeah, we often we often collapse don't we, in the first innings and then have to recover in the second innings. Um, last year we got four hundred against Warwickshire, but that was after again a collapse, and then Jamie yeah, and Jamie Steve Overton. had to. Uh, Stephen Davis, Jamie Overton, in. wasn't it? Yeah, um, but I mean, uh, if we keep winning, it will be fine. We, we won't need to worry about bonus points. But it's if we, you know, if if we end up in a battle for seconds. Um, you know, we 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 need to pick up every point we can. Um, so it is a worry, and it's just something they've got to work on. Um, hopefully, it you know once Lamaby finds this form, that will help. After last week's um, heated discussion about who would open the bat with Tom Lamaby, he goes and has a bit of a stinker of a game, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, this it, it happens, doesn't it? I mean, it, he took a few games to get going last season, but. And we had 100 against Glamorgan the other day. And, in and remember, so. he was opening the batting in August last year. Yeah. Now he's opening the batting in April. Mm. Yeah, and, and with all due respect to the opening attacks of Glamorgan, Warwickshire, Gloucestershire, North Hants, I suspect as we, although we, we got the, the middle six bowling lineup quite seriously wrong in our mm. predictions, or I did, uh, that's the bowling attack that probably is a notch above what he would have faced so far. It's a learning curve. He'll be fine. Yeah. He's, Especially he's a classy player. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. hope uh, yeah, Lammers no. doesn't succumb to second season syndrome. Right. Should we do some Twitter questions? Let's run through what we've got here. One just come in. Andy Cleave. With Stokes breaking a finger in the IPO, any chance of Rajdan Rawls snooping for Lewis Gregory? No. Next one. <laughs> Unless, you've got, <laughs> Unless you've got any, I don't think Lewis that. is going to want another two weeks of quarantine. No. And yeah, they can no, snoop all they want. I don't think he's going to. And get different type of player as well. Stokes is seen by Rajasthan as like an opener um, who bowls a bit, or a number three who bowls a bit. Lewis is a finisher who, you know, it's a different sort of player. And I think, no disrespect to Lewis, I think there'll be someone better than him out there that they could sign as well. So Yeah, I think you're right not about right. not wanting to go back into the quarantine bubble and also yeah, I don't think exactly. Somerset will be too keen to lose him, so I think getting the no objection certificate would be quite difficult. Um, uh, I don't know, a cooler customer than Lewis Gregory, I think we've already covered that. Uh, predicted lineups to the 50 over format, I think we'll do that nearer the time. Um, bum, bum, bum. We did overseas opener. The other one somebody said was, uh, I think, a little tongue-in-cheek. Uh, do we think the ECB are going to ask to use Taunton before they go to Sri Lanka, India, Pakistan in future? <laughs> Which I thought was great. Well, a great question, year, didn't it? We only had one spin, no. so we we um, we didn't have the turning pitches that we did in in 2019. I think. Um, that's one of the things that was really annoying me all throughout that India and Sri Lanka series is people were saying, oh, they should play at Taunton, Taunton tennis. Well, don't anymore. We've, mm. we've prepared decks to uh, suit our bowling attack, as everybody does. Uh, and with only one spinner, well, actually, no disrespect to Roloff, but you know, Jack didn't 
hardly played at all. I don't think he played a game at Taunton last summer, did he? Didn't play, didn't play a championship game, a Bob Wills game till the final, did he? No, he played. Yeah, he played Worcester away as well. But, did he Worcester? Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, didn't play at Taunton. So no disrespect to roll off, but I think we were going very, very seem heavy in those games. Um, Shall we have a little chat about with the second eleven about a, a couple of games? They've got one in progress at the moment against Warwickshire, which has been um, action-packed to say the least. I think we what were we about ten for four on the first day. We got up to about one hundred and forty, and then we bowled. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, poor old Eddie Byram. He's carried the drinks for five days up at Lords. Then he has to um, drive up to Birmingham to open the batting for the the second eleven on on Monday. Uh, walks out the bat and on a green one, and there stood at the end of his run up is Ollie Stone. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a pretty pretty decent Warwickshire bowling attack they were up against there. But uh, Goldsworthy got runs again, which yeah. will mean that there'll be lots of people clamouring for him to come straight into the side. My view is he keeps you keep him scoring bags of runs in the twos, mm-hmm. and then when Jack Leach goes off into the England squad stroke bubble. There's you've got an option mm-hmm. then alongside Roloff, haven't you? To yeah, and would would all due respect to England's greatest left-handed opener, um, you would have probably said Lewis Goldsworthy's going to score more championship runs for Somerset in his career than Jack Leach will. I can't believe you just said that, Steve. Sorry, I love Jack Leach to bits, but <laughs> oh, I don't no, think I he dis- I absolutely think you're right. I don't think he disagree with my, us. My <laughs> gut with Lewis, I think he's got a morph into a, a, a Joe Root sort of level with well if he does move with it with his batting but that sort of comparison he'll be um, right a top four player who bowls a bit of spin I think I think batting uh, he might be a limited overs sort of spinner yes uh, yeah uh, four, four overs in a C20 you know get a few overs in a 50 over game but maybe not a front line four day spinner but you know who knows yeah interesting little... can we um can we just have a couple of minutes on what we all think about the events at Grace Road on Saturday? Are we talking about Lewis McManus? <sighs> yeah, we might be. I mean, it's just a, I'm surprised the ECB, that, not that I've heard anyway, there's been no official statement from the ECB yet. But le- leaving that to one side, I just can't... I mean, it's a long time ago I played club cricket. and Ian, you're, you're much better mm. place to judge it, but... I just can't see. I can't see how the umpire made the error because it, watching the replay, it's blatant. Yeah, because so what? What I can't you... believe that James Vince didn't have a word with him mm. and say, "Was that? Did you genuinely do that?" Mm. And then they didn't call the batsman back. Is, or am I missing something? Yeah, I mean, I'm not professing to be the world's greatest wicketkeeper, but is, is that sort of what I do um, for my sins every Saturday? And uh, if you didn't see it. Uh, so there's a left-handed batsman. Um, yeah, it beats on the outside edge. Um, McManus takes the ball, um, and then as you do, you put your hand up with ball in it, as you, or to say to the umpire, "Look, umpire, I've caught the ball." In that motion, he's gone down the leg side, and as he's done it, he's obviously seen the batsman. I forget who it was. Um, creep out of his ground, and he's whipped the bells off with his left. I don't know why I put my hand up. It's a podcast; you can't see what I'm it's doing. It's great, great for radio. Yeah. Right? I mean, if it were me, it would be my reaction would be, "Oh shit, the ball's up here, and I can't, I can't take the bails off." You may do it out of um, reflex, or not? No, just gamesmanship with a batsman to okay. make him think that he's out stumped. But any umpire worth their salt will have seen. I'm pretty sure he had 
white rubbers on his keeping gloves. So you'd have seen a red ball within the whites of his keeping gloves as the bales were knocked off. So, you know, you don't have to have you know, super duper eagle eyesight to see that something's not quite right there. Um, it's something you might do as a, as a reflex just to, you know, wind the batsman up or a bit of gamesmanship to maybe think that he might be out stumped as well. But once that initial few seconds has passed, then you just go, no, I was, I, it's not really out, mate. I was, you know, I was only messing with you. Back you come. But yeah, to, to keep... Did you see, as a, on the lighter note, did you see the spoof ECB statement that was going around at the weekend? You mean the one that Dan definitely didn't write? <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> It was um, being outside cricket, I think it was, on Twitter. Yeah. Following examination of video evidence and connection of witness testimony, the ECB disciplinary panel has decided to impose strict penalties on all those involved. Alex Hales will be suspended from all cricket for 24 months. Somerset will be docked 24 points in all competitions. And Durham will be fined half a million pounds. The ECB hopes these sanctions will dispel any notion there's any favouritism or bias in disciplinary matters. Was just, and actually, it got read out by a certain commentator at Lords on Sunday morning and got before they realised that, oh, this has got to be... I think Polly Rhodes actually tweeted it to them and they, they bit beautifully, but... But to me, that's a... That is an, seriously, that is an immediate penalty. Yeah. Not in, um, yeah, not in terms you know, of action, which, in terms of the, the not immediately uh, retracting your actions or retracting the appeal. For correct. It's correct. Um, it, I, I would go so far as to say I think James Vince should be sanctioned, and nothing personal against James Vince mm. as captain of the fielding side, not calling the batsman back or where having is, a word with the umpire. Where or is something. He fielding? Knowing James Vince, he would have probably been either in the covers or around mid-wicket, I would guess. It's difficult because... But Liam Dawson not... was the bowler as, as well, you know. You it just not... doesn't leave a good taste, guys, no, does it? I mean, the blame has to ultimately, ultimately lie with McManus because he's the only one we know for sure knew that he was, um, he was cheating, basically. Um, I suppose you could play devil's advocate and say that Vince, as soon as you see an appeal and it's not one where the, the ball's you know, squirted off to, to find leg off the pad, you instantly look at the umpire, be it square leg or or the bowler's end, to see what his decision is. So you might not have, have caught exactly what's going on in the moment, but yeah, McManus is, is 100% to blame. And like I say, even if, he did, if, even if Vince did find out a couple of balls later, it's, it's too late, then you, you can't call the batsman back. But you're right, it leaves a pretty... I had a look at the... Uh... I had a look at the cricket discipline regulations the other night to see what they might do, but uh, I got bored very quickly. But I think these people will look at you know, there'll be some sort of that. It must have been boring. I know, it was very boring. It's like a seventeen-page cricket discipline commission document. I might be looking in the wrong place, but there'll be a framework for um, for you know a disciplinary action. There'll be some you know they they won't just be off the cuff. They'll they'll they'll, they'll follow the protocols and. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I imagine I they imagine would be gathering point. evidence at yeah, the moment. Rather... I think it's, it's, yeah. it'd, it'd be a general bringing the game into disrepute type thing, wouldn't it, rather than a, yes. a specific yeah. breach of a, of, a spe yeah. of a specific act. Um, Club announced today that the New Zealand game is off. Um, it did sort of break on Crick Info via um, the, the very last paragraph of an article about... Um, would a player, I forget who it was, be able to go back to New Zealand because he wasn't a permanent resident or something along those lines. But 
it seems very strange to me that England has been on this COVID path for a number of months now, which we seem to be, you know, on the right on the right course. And for that game to be announced during that period, England's and then England's COVID trajectory going in the the right direction, and then the game to be cancelled does seem a little bit odd. I think it's yeah, just, it's not only that game, games yeah, for the tourist tour yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah all so. the tourist games. Sri Lanka in my Sri Lanka, only, India, my Pakistan. My only thought, Dan, was maybe it's a plea bargain, and they they're saying, well, we we the ECB have done the right thing doing this, so therefore give us what we want and get crowds back in bigger and quicker as the thing unroll unwinds later in the year. I, I just wondered if there's a bit of politics going on here. We, we also saw um, England women announced today as well their their fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, give me two at Taunton. Yeah, um, which is good. Although there's a bit of com- I'm a bit confused about the start times. There, there, there's contradiction. Some website, BBC, BBC Sport, both contradict each other. So uh, but I'm hoping they're both day nighters so that we can actually watch them. Yeah, they're both on weekdays. One's an ODI, one's a T20. T20 against in India's the T20, isn't it? And that one's on a, a th- no. Uh, India's the ODI. Oh, sorry, I had a busy day today. Um, yeah, the, I mean the, ODI, the ODI would. Uh, sorry, the T20 would definitely be a, a day nighter, but I think the yeah, so the ODI on the Somerset website says 11 o'clock, which is a bit perverse to me. It's a weekday, we've got floodlights, let's use them. But BBC Sports said uh, 2 o'clock, which makes more sense. The T20, Somerset website says 6.30, which makes perfect sense. But BBC Sport says 2.30, which is very odd, and it's on a Saturday. So I'm assuming that I'm assuming they're both going to be day-nighters and that both of them are, you know, BBC Sport's mm. wrong about the uh, T20 and that the Somerset website's wrong about the ODI, but who knows? It's, just, it's a bit frustrating. These, you know, they can't get these start times right. But uh, and we should be, you know, these are big games. These are international matches. We need to be giving them priority, almost. Yeah. You know, so although not included in the membership this year, I think last year's women's ODI was. Yeah, I it was a T twenty, wasn't it? Um, obviously, uh... I'm assuming it's because they just want to. You know, I think in <laughs> they the need past money. they, they need money. always been included. We need money, exactly. That's what it is. It's only a fiver, so yeah. hopefully it won't put, put off too many people. Cool. Um, I did have one more thing to raise up, which, I, as always, I never make notes as these things pop into my head. So that has escaped me for the minute. Steve, um, <laughs> while I'm thinking about that, do you want to tell us about the changes you've got coming up to your blog, somersetnorth.co.uk? Oh, yeah, thanks, Ian. Um, you, if you go on the blog now, you'll notice that it's now got on the front page link to all the reports since I started the blog of games against Gloucestershire, um, which which is just a tweak we've made. Um, ironically, of course, next week, I, I can honestly say I've never written about Somerset playing Leicestershire, so I'll have to do something creative with that section. Um, I'm doing a shout-out. I'm going to start a series, um, and I've already asked the guys here, uh, I want people to, to let me have their recollections of their first game at the county ground and do that as a series um, on and off through the year. But the, the big thing is, if you haven't been on there today, uh, there is the, the, the off-season Friday long read has become the Tuesday long read. And there is a prequel to the fabulous Somerset cricket ser- Cricketers series, which um, Barry Phillips and um Stephen have written uh which is going to come out in may if you go to the blog post you'll see that it's a limited edition so if you want to get a copy you need to get on and follow the link to email barry 
because they're doing it as a limited edition. I think it's only something like 110 copies. Uh, I'm going to do an interview with the guys on the site next week, but they've been kind enough to give us some fabulous teasers of some of the characters they've come across. And if you think some of the characters, if you've read the earlier books, uh, are interesting, I think you're going to be blown away. So um, thank you to the guys for that. The other thing that they very kindly agreed is that I can use um, their biogs from the other four. And so I'm going to be doing an occasional series of picking favourite players of mine or to start with for sentimental reasons, picking out players that were my dad's favourite, starting with a guy called Roy Smith, who was at school with dad and taught me maths at Hewish's. So there's going to be hopefully some more depth on the site. Um, and the other the other quick plug I'd like to do would be for another um, podcast, which has got Jack Brooks on, which I think is dropping pretty much now. And for those of you who've got County Cricket Matters magazine, there is now a County Cricket Natters podcast. Clever that. Mm -hmm. um, they did the first one last week. Um, and our very own Annie Chave, who obviously most of you will know of as the editor of matters um she was talking to me earlier this afternoon uh and he's going to be coming on and hopefully helping me do a couple of bits during the course of the season i'd just like to apologize so, on behalf of steve to all his accountancy clients who, who are still waiting for their tax returns while he's been there uh, don't do been, tax he's been busy do doing tax. all these cricket podcasts and websites um, this is this is the joy of lockdown, and I start work <laughs> stupidly early and finish stupidly late, and then can do a bit of cricket in the day as well. Oh, absolutely, as the nights uh, the nights drag out. Um, I've just seen Charlie Taylor's tweet about his first live cricket show, which I guess is going out now. He's got Tom Abel, Jason Kerr, and Heather Knight on tonight, which is uh, and Anthony Gibson and Anthony Gibson. We've doubled up on Gibbo's pulled double duty tonight, so. Uh, no disrespect to you, Stephen Dan, but I think uh, he's, he's probably got the, <laughs> the cream of the crop with the guests there. Um, all right, I'll try and get this out in a reasonable amount of time before the Gloucester game, which starts on Thursday. Um, I guess we're going to keep the same side, barring any injuries. I think so. I yeah, I said earlier. I think we're going to rotate for Leicester, maybe. But no, we go again wind them up and send them out yeah I agree Dan yeah yeah it's just um, bowling wise it's just the only slight chances the only slight um, possibilities that we might play Rolf instead of Leach if we don't think we need much spin or we might play an extra batsman but it's extremely unlikely um, yeah we'll, we'll play the same team and then maybe we'll take the bowlers the game after that and then the batting is the batting. Will, they'll keep the same batting lineup for a while before they sort of review that and uh, work out whether they want to, you know, make any changes. So, yeah, I, I said team. earlier when we were we were talking about the Gloucestershire Surrey game, and I listened to the end of that, and what was clear was that Rory Burns had no control. He couldn't stop the flow of runs when Dennis and Van Buren were going. Uh, and he rotated his bowlers and every bowler that he brought on was going for seven, eight and over. And I don't think you can take away the, the important role Jack Leach played, especially on Saturday. But he did it on Thursday as well. But on Saturday, he basically stopped up one end, didn't he? Took, picked up three wickets, but he just 
you need that if you do have a spell in the game where you need control you've got right jack come on have a 10 12 over spell here so i don't think we want to we want to maximize our usage of jack leach before england take him away again absolutely i remember what i was going to talk about steve the ticket ballot for members open this week um yeah i've not quite applied yet one thing that did raise an eyebrow with me is we're going to have to be masked while we're sat down in the stands and socially distant. Mm-hmm. I might see if I can get Go and get your summer masks just, from the club shop. I suppose it's the times that we live in. It, it just sort of, I just thought it was a little bit a bit odd. I think you know you're not sat masked when you're you know back to back with somebody in a pub. I suppose it all depends on how many they, they want to fit in. And I guess after being starved of cricket for. Uh, for so long, it's a it's a small price to pay, I suppose, to get in and watch mm. the cricket. But by the sounds of things, it's going to be very sort of regimented uh, around the county ground because I suppose if you, if you're sat in the Ondachi stand, you're pretty much on top of the players in the dugout. I, I assume that they'll be keeping the same dressing room arrangements with uh, our lads changing in the long room and the opposition in the Andy Callick Pavilion. So. I would imagine if you uh, that will be until June June the twenty first, yeah. I think, and then if everything goes according to plan, that will change again. Then, but yeah. yeah, so I would imagine that that quarter of the ground will be players and officials only, and then I suppose yeah. everybody come in via St James's Street and what's the other one called where you go past the Ring of Bells next to the flats. I, just gave me oh, I forget the names of the gates now. I think, yeah. uh, think Brian Rose Gates. That's the one, Brian Rose Gates, and then yeah. the one by the river. So I think it's going to be a fairly well regimented uh, affair. But if it means we get back and, w- and watch some cricket, you can wheel me in on one of those things that Trance Danville left around in. I, I think <laughs> that there'll be zones. I think there'll be distinct zones because, again, for the media at the moment, Anthony was saying on commentary on Sunday, I think it was that they have to stay in their designated mm. zone, which was the tavern stand. Yeah. And they have to come in one way and go out one way. So I imagine that will be how it's done for that first, uh, those first mm. few games. We've done nearly an hour and it's and it's gone like that. No, happy days. Let's hope we're as, happy as days. buoyant as this next Tuesday. Yeah, we'll let's, hope back. We, let's hope we don't have any, uh, any nerve-wracking batting collapses and it's... It's plain sailing from ball one against the Gloucesters on Thursday, which is uh, our first home county championship game of the season. I guess it'll be available on all the, the usual channels, live streaming, uh, me illegally live streaming it via Twitch with the BBC radio commentary superimposed over. I've not heard anything about that yet, so I might have gotten away with it. <laughs> well, I just, I just thought, well, see, the Middlesex audio, it started off really bad and, and patchy, and, it, and it, it, it just sounded awful, so I thought... It only takes you if you got the right software. It only takes you two minutes to do it because my lad he's obsessed with streaming and YouTube. He's only six, so he, he streams playing Minecraft sometimes. Um, so I've got all the software. So I thought, well, if I do that and if I do that, and yeah, it worked. It, you know, it took a little bit of of pausing and, and fast forwarding to get get it synced, but it was quite just set it on, and you know, there was sort of two or three people watching it consistently throughout the day. But then when the Duke of Edinburgh died. Of course, they. I was on the phone for work with the with the other laptop going in the background, and the commentary stopped. And of course, I didn't realise that you know to continue with the county cricket coverage would be incredibly disrespectful to the royal family. So, um, I was sat there for about ten minutes trying to work out why my uh, illegal BBC radio stream wasn't working. When in fact, Gibbo and and, and Kevin Hand had uh, sat with their feet up having a cup of tea. But anyway, that's enough of my internet piracy. Uh, 
streaming. I won't have to do it for the Somerset games because I gather we have um, we have the BBC Radio Somerset yeah. output uh, perfectly synced. So yeah, so that's what we'll all be doing, I guess, from eleven o'clock Thursday morning, and that's that. We will reconvene, I guess, at our new appointed time of uh, of seven pm next week. Although we might have to fiddle it slightly if uh, if Anthony's got to. Um, go off to bigger and better things at, at half past seven every week but um, rest assured we will be we will be dropping into your podcast feed at sometime on Tuesday night next week uh, but for Steve and Dan and for the departed Gibbo I'm Ian Shepherd. thanks for listening to us on this episode of Always Look on the Bright Side Live if you want to give us all a follow on Twitter uh, we are at Somerset Podcast I'm at Shep23 Steve you are at Steve Tancock 62 and what is there, is there a different one for the blog? Uh, at Somerset North blog. Somerset North blog, brilliant. And Dan, you are... I should write these down. Dan Kingdom 96. Dan Kingdom 96. If you want to drop us an email, we are the Somerset Podcast at gmail.com and we're on Facebook and all the other usual places. But for Steve, Dan and Anthony, uh, I'm Ian Shepherd, and we will catch you this time next week. Take care. Cheers all.